Welcome to Tropes Out, the podcast where we chat with your favorite and future favorite authors about all things books, especially tropes. I am Emma C. Wells. Over there is E.J. Winstrom, and today we are talking to author Lane Fargo. Lane Fargo writes killer books for feminist killjoys. She's the author of the thriller novels Temper and They Never Learn, currently in development as a television show. Oh, that's exciting. And co-author of the best-selling Audible original Young Rich Widows. She also co-created and co-hosts and produces the podcast Unlikable Female Characters on Lit Hub Radio. Lane lives in Chicago with a rescue pit bull and a cat who are best friends and the only man she never wants to murder, well, almost never. <laughs> and when she's not plotting twisted stories, she enjoys long walks in the local cemetery, binging trash, trashy television shows, and spending all her money at indie bookstores. Lane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I have to start with the trashy TV shows because I've been watching Love is Blind on Netflix. I need to watch that one. I have, I've been like saving it. Um, that seems like exactly my jam. Probably my favorite right now is F-Boy Island on oh. HBO Max, which is absolute garbage. I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> it's a hell of a pitch. I like it. I need to take notes because I never know what to watch and I get really overwhelmed because we have like every streaming service and so I end up watching something stupid and I'm like, why am I watching this? But I've heard a lot about Love is Blind. I think my agent's obsessed with it. <laughs> she always reads about it. It's ridiculous, it? and it's really hard to get yourself away from it. Somehow, my husband has abandoned me here. He watched seasons one and two with – he probably just told me to say this. But he watched seasons one and two with me, and then I was like, oh, season three is out. And he was like, no, just over here in trash land by myself now. Okay. <laughs> my partner always acts uninterested and then he'll just be in the room when it's on and he'll kind of sit down and then he gets sucked in and then he's like, they're totally wrong for each other. What are you doing? And he just gets gets into it. They get you. I mean, they're very addictive. Yeah. Oh, God. My oh, husband God. watches this. Like, he, y'all are lucky. I wish. He watches stuff that's like 50 ways to make your own knife. And it's like <laughs> 10 hours long and it's just a guy like with this knife or like 100 ways to base a ham. And I'm like, what do you but you fucking am let's watch a show any show i don't care yeah and so we end up like in separate rooms or we watch food shows like that's oh, our, food shows. our crossover oh, they, there's a really good food show on netflix have you watched chef's table yet i am not sponsored by netflix no we should all be sponsored by netflix <laughs> i feel like that would be great that would be really helpful actually I do watch chef's table yeah i think i do watch that which one That's is that? That's the one where every episode spotlights a different chef somewhere in the world who's like the very best at what they do and doing yes. something really innovative and different. Yes. And so like one guy is in Italy in Florence and he's like the meat guy and he's like this butcher that like he uses every part of the animal in this like multi-course meal. Or it's not yeah. Florence because I was in Florence and we were like, oh, we can't go see Wait. the guy. Tuscany. Mm. Tuscany. Sorry, that's not the most. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I want to tell you something really random before we continue on this podcast. But it, it, listener, you might think this is interesting too. It has to do with books. We're talking about food, and you're talking about using every part of the animal. And this is a lot of buildup for something that's not that interesting. I, <laughs> you will appreciate so it. I started reading Tender is the Flesh, and I got like a little bit in, and I was like, this is going to make me be a vegetarian for a little while. So we're going to save it for after Thanksgiving. Mm, so the smart. very next book on my TBR was Bones and All. So, <laughs> but I'm making it through that one. Wait, what but are I these think books? The next one. Oh, my God. Tinder. You, 
You need to just go into Tinder as a flesh blind. Like, just... Okay. Daniel DeVore told me about it. Oh, okay. Well, that gives like, me a, a good author. sense. Yeah. Bones and All is actually very enduring. It's a book about a girl that is a cannibal and eats the bones and all. And it's actually a coming-of-age story. And I think it's, like, going to be a movie with the, that Timothy dude. Oh, yeah, with Timothy Chalamet. That comes out yeah, soon, yeah, yeah. right? Oh, I guess I didn't I think, know it was a book. Oh! Oh, I know what you're talking about. That looked really good. Yeah. It's like a romance, but also they're criminals and eat people. So I think that the movie is a romance. And the book so far, and I'm at like the 60% mark, it's very much like a coming of age. Like it's different. It's just really kind of sweet if a mm-hmm. cannibal book can be sweet. Um, and it was really funny. I actually did a TikTok about it and then I... I don't think it's private. I think I made it private. <laughs> but the, there was three books in my TBR, and it was like Tender is the Flesh, Bones and All. And then it was Was it like, A Certain Hunger? Because I saw that a on your hunger. TikTok. Yeah, I was like, I got a problem. Yeah. Well, this is. Yeah, first of all, thank you for bringing the cannibalism aspect of our podcast in early today. I appreciate not being <laughs> the one to have to raise it for once. Um, but two, no, seriously, um, my colleague at work, the, the co owner who I own my firm with, I. We were traveling the other week and she just turned around when we were waiting for a plane or something and she was like, I just read a book that I that seems like right up your alley. And she starts telling me about this book called A Certain Hunger. And she's like, it's this woman who's a cannibal and she keeps killing it and eating the guy she dates. And I was like, yeah, that sounds perfect. And she's like, I almost didn't say anything because I didn't want to offend you, but it just seems like something you would like. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, no, that's totally you give right. Off cannibal vibes. If so it's female <laughs> cannibal is like a mini trend right now, maybe because that book's been really, really popular. Mm. Hmm. You know that book was published by. It wasn't like a big publisher. It was one that does like a lot of literary fiction. Yeah, it's unnamed press, and actually, yeah, yeah. it was an Audible original first, like a year ahead of was time. It? So it's had a really long oh, journey, and now it's like this big book talk sensation. I love stories like that where a book like that started really small <laughs> becomes this huge Gives deal just hope. shows like the publishing industry you can't predict anything <laughs> yeah. I love that too I mean I think TikTok has a lot to do with that too because books that maybe wouldn't get an end cap at Barnes and Noble are finding their audience but speaking of audible originals let's talk about rich young widows oh yeah young rich widows um we young rich widows uh, that's the audible original I co-authored it with three other thriller authors Kate Hollihan, Kimberly Bell and Vanessa Lilly and we're actually working on the sequel right now which i'm not sure when that's going to come out but uh we're having a lot of fun (laughs) oh good well that sort of answers my follow-up question but i I was just curious like authors don't do there's a fair amount of collaboration but typically most authors it's kind of a loner profession so how is it writing a piece of a book with two other collaborators yeah i mean there's four of us total which is it's kind of crazy like we wrote the whole first one during the I mean, 2020, 2021, like when we were trapped in our houses and we did it all over Zoom and it was almost like a TV writer's room where we would get together and like bounce story ideas off of each other and then um, like kind of go and write our, like we each wrote a different POV character. So we kind of had ownership over that character and we would write a chapter and then review each other's chapters. And it was really, really fun. And also that book is so much more of a like, just fun campy rompy kind of book than I usually would write on my own like I definitely go for for the darker things so it was fun to do that and um, I mean speaking of tropes I feel like we had all sorts of is it set in the 80s and we wanted it to feel like an 80s 
movie basically <laughs> like a fun kind of like crime comedy caper like all these women coming together and solving a crime and um wearing fabulous clothes there's like fur coats and like crazy dresses <laughs> and we I, it was just a blast it was so so much fun oh that's awesome now i'm dying to read it i love anything super campy same yeah right now it's only on audible um I can't officially say, but there you may be able to read it in print in the nearish future. I can't officially say, Ooh. but there's something in the works. <laughs> awesome. Elf Choices. I, I got to say, I do actually read most of my books by Audible these days. Or, do well, you? Not okay. Audible specifically, but like on audiobook. Like audio. Audiobook. It's funny. I um, like because I'm a you know podcaster and I have written several Audible projects. Now I have another one in the works too, besides the Widows series. And I don't really listen to audiobooks. <laughs> I write them, but I don't really listen to them. I just like, I don't know. I just like a book in my hand. I can't f focus on audio sometimes. I know that one was uh, a collaboration, but if you write something for audio, um, Audible Originals or you go into some, a project knowing that it's going to be an audiobook first, do you approach it uh, differently? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely tried to make the, I mean, I guess you do this always, but like we tried to make the voices of the four women really strong and different from each other. And we knew we would have different actresses reading them, which would like help enhance that as well. And then I think we talked a lot about trying to make it very cinematic. So we were like having the characters describe things in a way that people could kind of have that movie in their mind feeling. Um that's it, though. The other one that I'm working on right now with some other collaborators is going to be a fully scripted project. So that's like a totally different thing, which I don't know how to do. And I'm learning on on the job. So we'll see how that goes. But um, that one is like sound effects and original music and all this stuff. It's not a that's traditional amazing. audiobook at all. It's pretty cool. I will say this, and you don't have to give any indication if I'm right or not, but knowing what I know about your other books, the dark thrillers and the female characters that you have in that then reading the description for young rich widows i kind of filled in my own little piece at the end of in one of the women is the killer because <laughs> i was like who is it i'm ready for one of them to be really bad anything. no don't don't i don't want to know anyway but uh just like yeah i i love that you are writing these very murdery kind of rotten women i'm sure they're not all the way rotten but oh, I, have to, yeah. I, I really enjoy that. <laughs> I do, too. I love a, a bad woman. I was thinking about, like, my favorite tropes before coming on the show. And I think, like, the femme fatale, female psychopath, like, all of that, It's that's absolutely my favorite. Like, I'm always going to root for that character. And any book that has a character like that, I'm, like, ready to read it. As a reader, do you have a favorite? Or it doesn't have to necessarily be a book. It can be from television or a movie. Mm. Favorite stabby woman. Oh, my God. There's so many. I mean, Villanelle is so great. Like, because she's funny, too. Like, that's what I like. I like a stabby woman who is enjoying herself, you know? Yes. Like, that she's murdering and just having the best time. I don't want her to be, like, all tortured about it, which is something I've gotten criticism for, and they never learn. Like, people are like, oh, she doesn't feel bad. And I'm like, no, she's having a great time. She's thriving. She's living her best life, killing these men. <laughs> so Whoa. that's what I like the, for the female psychopath to just enjoy all the stabbing. I will tell you since, um, not that I sound like on this episode that I'm some kind of like TikTok 
person influencer like literally <laughs> not literally have like 150 followers <laughs> but since the taylor swift album dropped and people have been using that sound they never learn has come through my book talk feed so many times and i'm like yeah. i know her my sales went up like like uh, definitely went up right after that Taylor Swift Amazing. album came out. I was like, thank you, Taylor. <laughs> like, I love Taylor anyway, but yeah, Vigilante shit is my jam. And I just saw so many people tagging me in posts about it. I I love it. I'm like, let's make the TV show and have that as the theme song. Let's just do it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I've gotten so many book recs because like, they'll lay down that book. I'm like, okay, read it, loved it. And then there'll be two books that I've never heard of. And I'm like, okay, they're grouped together. These are going to be something I want. So, okay. So what's the thing with this? Because I'm right there with you. Em's right there with you. I know because I have read the next book that she has, Cordelia, who's a masterpiece of serial killer. I love Cordelia. I read an earlier version of that Yes. Book. I think and... y'all read the same version. Oh, really? Actually. Okay. Yeah, it's sure it very is. different now. And Cordelia goes back on sub. This cross. Oh, it, it has to find a good yeah. home. It has to because I have people I have to give this book to. Like, well, it's like Lane was saying when you write a character that enjoys killing, that seems to be the hang yeah. up, especially if she has other, like, if she also has sex and has a significant other and does all these normal things and she's just not like sitting in a corner munching on a heart like <laughs> growing horns yeah. it's like she can't be no it, I don't it's know. so true and Double i will standard. just say before we pivot to dig into that more if people are curious about what we're talking about with cordelia and all of her delicious ridiculous serial killer badness just check out and TikTok because she's doing these amazing teasers for it already and it's so good but seriously like what is it about these like stabby awful rotten ladies that we love so much because you're right like it's hard to even like in the broader picture of things like you can't even have like a normal like generally good female character without someone attacking something it seems so Mm -hmm. and then it's like we're all just like doubling down on it like right to the bottom of the barrel and I love it every time so like what gives for me, it's like wish fulfillment, honestly. Like, I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I read. That sounds bad, but whatever. Like, you know, people make me angry a lot, especially men, um, especially like shitty, shitty men who are maybe in politics or in the public eye or whatever. And like, I, you know, you think you wish you could just take care of them. You think maybe the world would be a better place without them. But even if we're not talking about murder, I think there's something really satisfying about seeing a woman just behave very badly in a way that, like, we know that if we did that, we would, you know, lose our jobs or our relationships or, like, kind of suffer in some way. But, like, if we could get away with it, I think a lot of us would. I know I would. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's funny, too, because male characters have been afforded this, like, forever, and nobody blinks. It's not a thing. It's not, like, unlikable male character. It's yeah. – you're a spectrum of character. But forever, it's been, like, oh, a woman character has to mm-hmm. do these specific things or – you know, she's nobody's gonna like her. I, right. She has to love children. She can't kill anybody. Nothing right. fun. She can't eat her boyfriends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so limiting. I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like seriously, like writing bad female characters, like it almost feels political to me, and it feels like the moment for it. Like it's cathartic and satisfying for all the reasons. 
I just, I remember like probably for me, so I would, I read all over the place, but forever I was reading just like a specific kind of book. And it was typically, I mean, I had like a whole like five years of like spicy paranormal romance in the early 2000s. And now I'll go on and I'll read only something else. And then I remember when I read Gone Girl, it was like, that was it. Like I fell in love with Amy Dudd and then like never looked back. And it's, that was like the kind of precipice is that that feels like a very formal word that was the turning point for me and I was like there's got to be more books like this and thank god like now there are but there for a minute it was like yeah it was deep digging like I remember reading about Samantha Downing's debut novel before it came out and then like what's the name of it my lovely wife wife, yeah and like counting down for it Mm -hmm. to be released yeah, Gone Girl really changed the industry and, like, people's appetites. I mean, I think people always wanted that, but sometimes it's, like, you have to see it, and then you realize, oh, yeah, that, I want more of that. I mean, for me, as a writer, like, one of my most formative experiences as, like, a baby novelist, when I was writing my very first book, which will never see the light of day, I went to this event where Gillian Flynn was speaking about Gone Girl. It was, like, right after it had come out, and I was sitting in the audience before she came out, and there were these women sitting in front of me, and they were just, like, talking shit about how much they hated like they hated Amy they hated how she got away with it they were like so angry but they were there to see Gillian speak and so I was just sitting there like huh interesting like this got them so fired up like even if they don't like Amy and don't want to root for her it's like it made them really feel something enough that they finished the whole book and came out to see the author speak for an hour so yeah I don't know that was really influential on me I was like you know what pissing people off is okay sometimes (laughs) Right. It's an acceptable that way to earn a living is what it is. Yes. <laughs> so talking about your books a little bit more plain, um, if someone was to ask you, like after like listening to this podcast or whatever, say, okay, which one should I read first? Do you have a favorite, like, like one that you feel like as a writer, you're like, read this book and you'll get like a sense of what I'm about. It's so interesting because um, I have to say, like, I think Temper is my personal favorite. I love that book. And it was really the book of my heart. I mean, you know, like when you're writing something before you're published, it's like there are no rules. No one's looking over your shoulder. But um, most people seem to really like They Never Learn a lot better. Like it's sold way better. And I'm constantly getting reviews. I read my reviews like a monster. And I'm constantly <laughs> getting reviews where people are like, I read like they never learned and I loved it. And then I read temper and I hated it so much. And like, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> but I, I love that book. I feel like it's a little bit more, um, even like with the book I'm working on now, it's a little bit more in the vein of, of temper where they never learn is more of a traditional thriller. I mean, it's about a serial killer and everything, but I don't know. I love all my babies. Yeah. I love temper too. Thank you. What's funny is so Lane and I were in pitch wars the same year, which is like this, book for I mean this um not really a contest it's like the it's now it's not around anymore but it's it was like a mentorship program Mm -hmm. and I remember everybody was like talking about what they're talking it was like in a Facebook group about what their books were about like one or two lines or maybe it was pitches I don't remember oh yeah and I remember (laughs) yeah well I remember seeing yours and uh I didn't put this together until like way later that it was, that's what it was, but it was something about like theater and like that my only experience with theater people are like the really nice theater kids that grow up. And so like Aww. in my head, that's what I pictured. <laughs> theater 
kids aren't nice. They're acting. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, reading it. I was like, oh, okay. Getting further. It's like complete the opposite of what I was imagining in like the best possible way. Yeah, Temper's just about like the worst theater kids in the world behaving very badly. And um, I'm currently writing a, a book about Olympic ice dancers, and they are also very badly behaved. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. <sighs> Fantastic. Um, should we play some Troped Out? Yeah, okay. let's do it. Lane, if you've listened to the podcast before, then you know, but I'll go over it for anybody else in case this is their first episode. Basically, we throw out tropes or genres or uh, anything there in that general area, and it's either or. You just tell us your favorite, and then we talk about it. It's like, don't overthink it. That's it. That's the game. Okay. So do you want to go first, EJ? Sure. All right. Amateur sleuth or hard-boiled detective? Huh. Wow. Um, I guess hard-boiled detective, but those are two tropes that I don't tend to gravitate towards, interestingly, mm. like as a crime-adjacent writer. Um, I will say hard-boiled detective because I love uh, my Unlikable Female Characters co-host, Kristen LePianca's series, which is a hard-boiled detective, but she's like a disaster bisexual from the Midwest, which is like... <laughs> I relate. <laughs> 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess I will go next. We have stripper with a heart of gold or suburban housewife on the verge. Stripper. Of like burning it all down. Definitely stripper. stripper. My character <laughs> in uh, Young Rich Widows is a stripper who I guess has a heart of gold. I feel like my co-authors keep trying to push me to make her a nicer person. And I'm like, no, she's bad. And they're like, no, she's nice. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, they... <laughs> I'm always the one who's wanting to push it in a darker direction. They've promised me in book three I can have her do some like very bad things. Uh, so hopefully we get to write a third book so I can do what I'm what I'm planning. <laughs> Intriguing. I always think of Sin City. What's her name? Goldie, something like that. Mm. With Jessica Alba. No, the character. Nancy's, no? Nancy's not a stripper. She is. Sorry, I'm like too into this. I no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I have not too seen long. that movie. Um, no, this is such a gem. Okay. Um, no. Uh, so Nancy just dances in a bar. Okay. She is like the girl next door of Sin City. And that's the Jessica Jessica Alba. Alba. But on the, I forget the direction, but in a different corner of the city, there's like a whole district that is just like the strippers and the, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Maybe she is a stripper, and I'm thinking of the prostitutes. <laughs> well, it's it's very all different. very relative. <laughs> well, in Sin City. I thought that she was supposed to be a stripper, but like she didn't take her clothes off because of Sin no, City. No, you're right. But she it's dances. Like, I, she doesn't take her clothes off. She just dances. I don't know. I remember watching it at yeah. the theater. It's yeah, a too striking long, movie treatment. Um. Anyway. I'm, I am. I'm thinking of a prostitute. So, yes, I am blurring some things here that should not be. But I think her name is Goldie. And, yeah, he, like, sleeps with her once. And then he wakes up later. And she's just dead. And the rest of the first volume of Sin City, Sin City is just him, like, demolishing the city and murdering everyone in his path to figure out what happened to Goldie, who won his heart with this one encounter. 
See, this is one of, I'll just go ahead and say, that's one of my least favorite tropes when something bad happens to a woman and then a man has like man pain about it and it drives his whole plot. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, cause then she's just like a sexy dead body and we're not, we don't really care about her. It's like all about him. I get really tired of that. You know, it's really true. It's, It's women in refrigerators. It's, uh, there's a lot, like there's this whole, which it isn't really that it's not really that at all. Sorry. ADD. But bringing it back to book talk with like dark romance, having a moment right now, like there's a bunch of books out where it's like the guy, the girl falls for the guy that's unhinged. And then he goes out and like everybody that's wronged her, he brings her like a jar with their Mm. eyeballs in it and stuff like that. Or like, (laughs) yeah. It's like a whole thing. And there's like multiple, like shout out to indie authors. Cause I think most of them are like KU books where people can just go like buck wild with whatever they want. And people are here for it. I guess there's like an audience. I haven't read yet because my TBR pile is yeah. massive. I just but... read like a dark erotic romance that was a modern Wuthering Heights retelling that was kind <gasps> of along those lines. It was like very rapey though. So trigger warning. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was like intense. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I don't read a lot of that genre and I'm not easy to shock, but there were some things in there where I was like, damn, okay, we really went there. Wow. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> intrigued, but I've also spent a good portion of my adult life on the soapbox of Wuthering Heights is not a romance, which also makes me more intrigued. So yeah. Wait, what's, what's the title? Uh, it's called Original Sin. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't remember the no, author's okay. name. We'll find it. Okay. Well, my ice dancing book, M knows this, but my ice dancing book is a Wuthering Heights retelling. <gasps> I didn't know if I was allowed to say yeah, that or I not. Say it. So. I'm kind of like, okay. I was trying to keep it a secret for a while, but now I'm so obsessed with this book, I can't shut the fuck <laughs> up about it. So, I'm so <laughs> Well, I'm glad because I want to know that. Wuthering Heights. Right. I want to, yeah. I'm here for it. Because it, it's one of those things forever. Like, I love Wuthering Heights. I have multiple copies. Like, I buy it, especially if I find one in a used bookstore that's been a gift in the past where somebody mm-hmm. has, like, written in yeah. it. Um, I have to buy it. And it's one of those things, like as an author, I've never had an idea for how to like adapt it. So I've patiently waited for somebody else to do it so that I can read it. So I'm really here for this book. Like I cannot wait until it's out in the world. Thank you. I'm having the best time with it. And I don't like, I agree. Wuthering Heights is not a romance. I mean, that's like the whole trope of these two disasters deserve each other like that's I love that but I'm not like this is so romantic and they should be together I mean I'm kind of I'm doing it a little bit differently in my version no spoilers but I think like some of the stuff that's in the original you just can't really do that in a modern context (laughs) or wilding out on the moors tricky yeah right (laughs) the book has the best quotes though it has the best literary quotes like I always see stuff and I'm like I'm not putting a quote on me, but if I would, it would be that one. But then I would have to, like, explain it, so I don't. I have this big banner in my office that says, haunt me then. My partner bought it for me. (laughs) Yes. That shit's romantic. Like, it is. Like, listen, (laughs) if you don't want to be with me so bad that you don't beg my ghost to, like, haunt you, then I don't want it. Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. Exactly. Like, do better. take it away. (laughs) Right. My Come on came back and haunted me I would be pissed as hell (laughs) I don't want to be haunted I want them to beg me to haunt them (laughs) wait are you um a Jane Eyre fan then because I usually find it's like one or the other I yes okay I love them both actually but Jane Eyre is the one that 
I feel more compelled to really reread every few years. And every time I do, I find that it reads very differently to me depending on like where I am in my life. Because, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it has to do with her age and like my relative age to Jane. Because oh, when yeah. you're a teenager, she's an adult and she's making adult choices. But then when you're in your mid 30s, it's like, baby, run away from him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, I love them both too. But I always find like these people are kind of have their like soul is drawn to one or the other. It's very, oh, it's very interesting. interesting to me. It's actually been a very long time since I have picked up and reread Wuthering Heights. I've just like really held on to the moods of it. And sometime in, right? And somewhere in my high school years in our basement, I found a set of some books from my mother's English major when she was in college. And they were all marked up with her notes, like kind of like what you were talking about. And it was Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre, and Tess of the D'Urbervilles. And I took them and I still have them. And I read all three of them like within the next few months. And it was like... That's awesome. So I kind of couple. So have you read? I think it's Rachel Hawkins. Hawkins. I need to double check on that. The. uh, I think that's next in my Libby queue. Is it? Hold on. Hold on. The wife upstairs. Oh, reckless girls. That's what I have. (laughs) No, that's the other. It's good. It's really good. I read the wife upstairs, and it's a Jane Eyre Mm. reimagining. It's fun, and it's kind of it's very good. But Reckless Girls is really good too. Mm And she's a new one coming out soon. I love her. Yeah, she's, you know, I found her because she did like this, which I say I found her, but like I discovered her books because she was doing this Twitter story and it was about this woman. I can't even, God, I'm butchering it, but what else is new? People know. People know what to get here when when I talk. Yeah, (laughs) it's all ADD. It's all ADD and vibe. That's it. There's not much else. But it was basically, I think a woman got accused of poisoning somebody and she got away with it like way back in the day. And it was like this 20 tweet thread about like this woman getting away with murder and like killing this bad guy. And I was like, holy shit. And I didn't even know it was an author tweeting it, even though she's very established. She has, you know, a, a pen name and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, she wrote books. She wrote a Jane Eyre retelling. What? This is the best day of my life. Yeah, this I love week. her um, romance novels, too. It's Erin Sterling, I think, is the pen name, and she has, like, a witchy romance series. Oh. But I think I've only read the first one, but she's just, I don't know. Her books are so fun. Like, you know, when you read an author and you can just feel, like, the joy that they had in writing the book, I feel that from all of her work. She wrote the Young Adult series. Which vamp- It was one of the vampire series, didn't she? She did write Young Adult. I haven't read those, so I don't know. Hmm. She's very prolific, <laughs> which is good yes. for all of us. Yes, impressive. Very, very, very. Okay. Should we do the next? Do the next. Just because I can. Taylor's version. Tropes. Anti-hero, mastermind, or vigilante? It has to be vigilante for me. (laughs) Anti-hero is like close second. question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Em, you want to drop our final per tradition? Our forever or evergreen. We have... Secret baby or secret agent? Secret agent, because I don't, I don't like babies. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that unlikable woman who doesn't like babies and children. 
No, it's really interesting because whoever the author is and like the genre they write in, that's what they bring to the table. Because we always thought about it from like a romance trope way of thinking about things. Not that like I don't really write just contemporary romance or anything, but that's where I heard about it. But then having like mystery authors on or, and uh, science fiction authors on, and you're like, oh, a secret baby. And then he grows up and comes back and tries to kill you. And I'm like, I've never <laughs> thought about that. And then we have Michael Memmay, who is like Luke Skywalker's a secret baby. It's been awesome. That's yeah, true. He journey. is. Wow. I had never thought of it that yeah. way. Maybe I'll have to change yeah. my answer. <laughs> I don't know. I love, I read a lot of romance actually kind of as like a break from all the dark mm-hmm. shit. And I try to put some romance tropes and it's been a little easier in the book I'm working on now since it is like about a, re- like a relationship. But um, the one that I always try to put in that I did get into temper and they never learn is there's only one bed. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> it's delicious every time. <laughs> like you can feel, it's like one of those tropes you can like feel it coming yeah. <laughs> on the page. You're just like oh oh they're going somewhere they're going to like a remote cabin or a hotel or something and like i bet there's only going to be one bed yes (laughs) i was reading something recently shoot i wish i remembered what it was but it was a oh it was um yes i was reading love hypothesis and they're doing the whole fake dating thing but she's also like very keenly aware of the trope like in her own world and in her own brain and so there's one point where they're at a hotel or they're like having to stay in the same hotel to meet maintain the farce and she's like there's only going to be one bed and he's like no I booked a room with two beds and he's like she's like you don't understand there's only going to be one bed (laughs) I love her books they're like they're like nasty Adam Driver fan fiction but like nerdy and sweet and I'm just so obsessed with them both of them I read in like one day and then was furious with myself because I like wish I had drug it out a little longer I just have to reread them I guess Adam Driver is exactly who I had envisioned for that male lead character so well the first one was like I think it started out as like Kylo Ren Ray fan fiction and then she put it in this like science setting and the cover looks like them too like it looks like Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley so I was all about that and then when her new book was coming out I was like well I'm really excited because I loved her book but like it's not gonna be the same because the guy won't look like Adam Driver but he still does (laughs) does. like a totally different character (laughs) he's still Adam Driver and I'm just like this is incredible like please write 50 more of these I'm ready like take my money right perfect (laughs) expectation is there now we need Adam Driver books I am putting these both I'm bumping these up because I need a break from cannibalism (laughs) do you Uh, though do you (laughs) I don't know. I think I'm going to start greeting our guests with, you look delicious today. (laughs) What are you reading? And then just go from there. Uh, Okay. Well, to wrap us up, Lane, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you online. Um, I am at lanefargo.com. And these days I'm mostly on Instagram at lanefargo. I technically have a Twitter account, but who knows what's (laughs) going on with that right now. So yeah, Instagram is probably best. (laughs) Awesome. All right. And you can follow us as Typo Productions and Troped Out Podcast at TypoPod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And you can find us as your co-hosts, MC Wells at MC Wells Books. And is that your Instagram too? I think so. (laughs) I've never... I'm never on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, Emma C. Wells Books, or you can find me on TikTok at Emma.C.WellsBooks or at that ADHD author. Awesome. We have our shit together. Um, it's great. Yeah. 
And then I'm AJ Winstrom on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the works. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep reading. Thank <laughs> you.